If you guys have been listening to Ask Women for a while, you probably know my voice associated with some cynicism, maybe some jokes you're not a fan of, or maybe you are a fan of because you've got great taste. Well, either way, I've come a long way from that cynical gal, and I'm doing amazing things helping guys get their banter and conversation skills on track, as well as making those dating profiles look not so terrible. Or dare I say good? No, dare I say great. I get them looking great. And I've been doing it long enough now that I'm seeing actual results coming in from guys that I've worked with. Like, you know, for example, engagements, things like that. I have to say, I feel pretty good about my skills and those dudes do too. So if you want to be smooth and witty in conversation or smooth and witty in your profile, you know who to come and see. And that's me, Kristen. And I'm at kristenandchill.com. All of my stuff is up there if you guys want to hit me up and uh, get my help. So again, kristenandchill.com. Charm more than just her socks off. Want to know the hidden meaning behind what women say and do? Then check out the Chictionary. It's the Wing Girl Methods manual that gives you a full rundown of all the things women say that confuse men written in dictionary format. Go get a copy of the Chictionary by going to winggirlmethod.com slash chick. That's winggirlmethod.com slash chick. Coming up on this week's episode of the Ask Women podcast, we do something that we never thought that we do. We talk about sex with a rabbi. (laughs) Very interesting episode with one of our favorites, Rabbi Shmuel, who talks to us about how to keep that spark alive. Welcome to another episode of the Ask Women podcast where you learn so much shit, but good shit. Right, Marnie? Yes, lots of good shit on this show. (laughs) And speaking (laughs) of good shit, I'm your host, Kristen Carney. And of course, we're with Marnie Kinris. And we have back with us a very knowledgeable rabbi, Rabbi Shmuel Pollan, who has so much awesome stuff to say. And the last episode or the first episode you did with us really blew both Marnie and I away. So thanks for coming back and hanging out. Yeah. And now I'm going to try to make some joke that fits into the topic for today about blowing, but I just don't want to be so dirty with the rabbi because we're going to be talking with a rabbi about (laughs) sex. Like something I never thought that I would talk to my rabbi about. I didn't think they knew about sex. Well, yes, Jews know about sex. It's going to be kind of different, kind of counterintuitive, you know, with the rabbi and all. Yeah. Well, I want to hear because after you were on the show last time, you're like, oh, I'd love to come back. And I said, I'd love to have you back. People really liked you. And you suggested the topic of sex, which like, again, blew me away. (laughs) Because I was like, all right. (laughs) And then I had said to you, well, what is it that you want to cover? So I would love to know what you bring to the table coming from the background of religion and rabbi and how that can help the guys who are listening who really would like to have a better understanding about sex and pleasing a woman. So I would love to hear what you have to say. Yeah, I think it could really help. I'll take over for now if that's all right. Yeah, just like last time, you talk. Okay, I'll talk. I'll talk. As they said, I'm a rabbi and I have been for about 20 years and I specialize in Jewish mysticism, also known as the Kabbalah. And today I'm going to talk about sex. And because I'm a rabbi talking about sex, I'm for sure going to hear the comment, how dare a man tell me what to do in my bedroom? I think there's a Halsey song that goes exactly like that. So just to address that, there's been a lot of podcast articles and courses lately about sex on this program and other programs. 
And they're all going in one basic direction. And I'm offering an alternative viewpoint. Maybe somebody out there wants to go the complete opposite direction with their sex. And maybe by doing so, that will solve a lot of the problems that we've been having with sex lately. Problems, I'll give you statistics on shortly. But just think of me as offering an alternative, not preaching. Okay, good. And if you find one thing that you want to implement, I'm happy. So let's get started. Okay. All right. So to start... This is how I like sex, by the way. I'm completely silent. <laughs> I have nothing to do with it. That's how I am too. <laughs> I'm so lazy now. I'm like, well, you just do all the work. Amazing. Yeah, it's like what else? I showed up. Yeah. That's going to work. That's going to work with Kabbalistic <laughs> sex. Perfect. There you go. Sounds like something I'm on board with. I think you will like it. So... I'm saying forget about Kabbalah for a second. We'll just talk about basic biblical law and how it governs sexual relationships. And that is, number one, it must take place inside of a marriage. You probably could have predicted I would say that, even though it may be controversial here on the Ask Women's podcast. But I can't hide the fact that that's what God says. Well, it doesn't say it has to take place within your marriage. It just said within (laughs) a marriage. So... It's still okay. on point with what we... No, I'm just joking. Go on. Continue. <laughs> you're, you're really out there. <laughs> Am I? <laughs> <laughs> Genesis 22, God says, cling to your wife and become one flesh. So get married first and then have sex. And as it turns out, scientifically speaking, spending more time with your girlfriend does not make it statistically more likely that your marriage will succeed. In fact, the data points to the fact that if you extend the dating further, your odds might actually be worse. So turns out that's what's actually best for you. Is to get married and have sex right away? Yeah, you should have sex on the wedding night, but you should get married before you have sex, basically. Gotcha, okay, okay. It's a good idea to get hitched as soon as possible. That's the first biblical command. And then the second one criteria is that the man must finish inside the woman, not outside. So like, hopefully you're married and you don't use a condom because you want to finish inside the woman. Is that clear? Yeah. Okay. So according to these two criteria, basically all bets are off. You can do whatever you want in bed as long as you fulfill those two criteria. But the Kabbalah and the Hasidic Jews who follow it go beyond the letter of the law. And the Kabbalah's philosophy on sex is fascinating. And it seems to be the exact antidote for all the problems people are having with sex right now. First, let me clear up a misunderstanding. Many of us were brought up in the belief that sex is a dirty word. And in Judaism, which is the oldest and arguably the most authentic religion, sex is not dirty or evil in any way. In fact, it's the holiest thing that you can do. God's first commandment was to procreate. He says, peru or vu, be fruitful and multiply. And in the holiest place in the world, the Holy of Holies, the temple in Jerusalem, there were murals of angels having sex on the wall. Most people don't know that. No. Yeah. So what we see from that is that God wants the sex of angels, spiritual sex, but he definitely wants sex nonetheless. Sex is usually not talked about the way I'm talking. You will not find other rabbis talk about it the way I'm talking about it right now. It's a private thing to Hasidic Jews, but all things that are precious are private and covered up. And that means that it's more important, not less important. Okay, so now we're going to get into the two types of sex and the sex that everybody's having and the sex that the Kabbalah is saying you should have. So 
We're going to introduce it with the story, the story of the sin of the tree of knowledge, where they were told they could eat from any trees except for this one tree. And they couldn't wait until the Sabbath and they ate from that tree. So the fruit, when we talk about the fruit that they didn't eat, that they were so attracted to, was not an apple as you are taught. It was a cluster of grapes. And the fruit is a metaphor for sex, as in be fruitful and multiply. So we use that word fruit to refer to sex. So they were attracted to the idea of having sex with each other, which can easily happen when you're not wearing any clothes. But what happened was they made wine out of the grapes. They got drunk and had sex. And that was the, quote, knowledge that the snake wanted them to have. You know, the snake is the one who convinced them to eat from the fruit. So the snake wanted them to have naughty sex and do it in a totally secular way with no spirituality. And God, for his part, never intended to keep sex from Adam and Eve. Sex is not a bad thing. He didn't want to keep it from them. He just wanted them to wait until the Sabbath. Because the Sabbath is a time of oneness. So here we have two clearly different kinds of sex. There's God's way of having sex, the sex of one. Uh, That's the Sabbath kind of sex, the, the Kabbalah's kind of sex. And then there's the snake's way of having sex, the sex of two, which is naughty sex. That's like a lot of the sex that Kristen has, the, the snake sex, right? <laughs> no, just sex with snakes. With snakes. Oh, they're sorry. Just, I was... Yeah. Right. right. They're, they're weans. They're just really, really long. <laughs> there are actual snakes involved. <laughs> Interesting. That's really taking it to the, the extreme. One-eyed, the one-eyed <laughs> snake. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so what is the sex of oneness? Let's talk about the most basic part of it, the positions. Kabbalah wants there to be unity in every way, starting with the body. So notice in the Kama Sutra, which I'm sure you've heard of, there's only one position that has the couple fully hugging and touching, face-to-face and totally comfortable. And the people with the snake's philosophy have demeaningly called that the missionary position. We all know the missionary position, but that's actually the position of oneness. That's the Kabbalah's position. Like we said, in Kabbalah, everything is about more unity. So you reveal less, not more. That means the lights are out. Light reveals your separateness. And we want to totally wash out the difference between these two people. So when you have sex in Kabbalah, there can be no clothing separating you physically. There can be no strife emotionally. It's up to the man to assuage out any strife. He speaks loving words that draw her heart to him. Quick question. How come I heard, am I remembering this right, that like Jewish people were supposed to have like sex through a sheet and you're saying there's no clothes? Where did that come from? That's a total myth. It was just a guy dressed as a ghost. You're, you're not allowed to have any separation whatsoever because it's all about unity. It's all about being as close as possible. I wonder where that came from. That's a total myth. And I think it came from the fact that uh, Jewish men wear a garment called tzitzis and it has a hole in it. And that's what they wear as their neck hole. It's wide. <laughs> yeah, it is wide. It could, it could be that a man m- might have had it hanging on the wall and somebody saw that in the bedroom and figured, that's what they're using it for. But that's oh, totally, I, I had always totally heard that too for Orthodox Jews, that they had sex through a sheet for the first time on their wedding so that you could see blood to prove that she was a virgin. That's what I thought as well. Holy moly. It's a total myth. It's a total myth. I'm glad oh. I'm here to... Uh, yeah, me too. Yeah, because yeah, I tried to bring one on a date with a Jewish guy once and he was like, why are you dressed as a ghost? And I was like, that's <laughs> <laughs> what you liked. <laughs> <laughs> so think unity. Anything that makes them more unified is what you want. So she lies on her back, totally still, totally surrendered. And he 
ravishes her. And there's no pressure on her to achieve anything. There's no pressure on him to do anything special either. It's all about relieving pressure. It's all about the Sabbath where there's no competitiveness, no comparisons, no better or worse. You just disappear into the other person. You French kiss. So there's unity above and unity below. You look into each other's eyes. So you're connected soul to soul. The focus of both parties is the unity between them. How much closer can I get to this person who's actually the opposite of me? How much can we disappear into each other? It could happen. This is interesting that the Hasidic couple has never even seen their spouse's naked bodies. And that's considered a good thing because seeing one flaw could turn him or her off a little bit forever. So the Kabbalah wants to fully protect that spark that exists between a man and a woman. And it wants to prevent anything from being turned off in any way. And that's a theme. The Kabbalah wants to protect the spark. It gives the spark fanatic protection. If I tell you that this is the most pleasurable kind of sex, I have a basis to say so. Because YouTuber Jordan Gray recently asked 13,000 women on his list what they crave most from sex. And the most common answer he got by far was, guess? Closeness? Connection. Connection. Oh, yeah. yeah. Okay. Sorry. I was trying to go like a route of they like it no, in the I'm dark. Or yeah. Yeah. Connection for sure. That's the number one thing women want in the bedroom. Because if you're not connected, then you're bleh, you're just a hole basically. And you're not really there with that other person. Yeah. And so there's a similarity between connection and unity. I'm calling it unity. You call it connection. It's the same thing. Connection is the human being's deepest desire not to feel alone. People will try and join gangs and kill innocent people to be part of something just yes. to connect. Mm-hmm. I highly recommend you try this kind of Kabbalistic sex once in a while. It will be good for your relationship and your stress levels. You know, you take out all the competitiveness and you just focus on the oneness and um, it makes for a whole different experience. I love it. What's the opposite of that? Okay, we'll go into the opposite. The sex of separateness, the sex of two. Now, this is all about Cosmo's latest trick. This is where things get complicated, whereas the Kabbalah sex is very simple. The snake in the Garden of Eden was an advice giver, and Cosmo gives advice. And it's basically the same advice. They want you to be as separate as possible. In the sex of two, here's the way it goes. You experiment and experiment in different kinds of separateness. Then that gets dull. So you need even sicker separateness, and then that gets dull. And then the ultimate goal of the snake is a really nasty, hateful divorce. So that way you're totally separate. And I'm being controversial now intentionally, but I'm trying to make a point. Constantly going after more and more experimentation, it just leads to it becoming dull and then you have to go for more and more and more. And then that could lead to wanting to look outside the marriage for your jollies. So remember, the snake is not your friend. He seems like a friend, but he seeks your destruction. He tries to sell you sexiness. But what he actually gives you in the end is separateness. The divorce rate is now 50%. He's shooting for 100%. That's his main way to do it. While in the sex of oneness, the woman is treated tenderly and gently like a princess, the snake starts you off with aggressive sex. Aggressive sex is tempting. Hollywood says it's sexy. But what you've actually done with this kind of sex is you've taken a loving couple and made them act like enemies. They're attracted to each other. They love each other. And now the snake steps in and suddenly they're acting antagonistic towards each other and rough with each other. 
and he is dominating her and calling her bad names like slut, etc. And this kind of aggression makes sense on a football field, but it's a question as to whether it makes sense in the bedroom. Because look at what you've lost. The care is gone. The tenderness is gone. The unity is gone. The soul is gone. So if rough sex is all you know, I can't ask you to just stop and I'm not preaching. But for the health of your relationship, I would try to scale back a little more towards something a bit more loving and scale back to something where you're not just trying to violently grab as much pleasure as you can from the other person like a pleasure-obsessed animal. We'll talk a lot more about pleasure, but rather adopt a little more of a mode of giving to your spouse, not trying to just take pleasure. If you take this separateness philosophy to its ultimate extreme, with many couples, you're going to wind up cuffing and whipping each other, 50 shades of gray. And at that point, you can't get more separate from each other and from God. So you see the way it works, like you're trying to satisfy your animalistic urges and you wind up cuffing and whipping each other. And at that point, it's just like ridiculous. Like, what are you doing? Why are you abusing your person that you love? So the next way to be separate after that is cheating, swinging, having an open marriage. Well, what what if you don't love the people yet? So let's say that there are some people who do enter into sexual experiences prior to being married. I love the advice that you're giving of togetherness, unity, connection. And that can be applied at every level of a relationship or even in the beginning stages of dating if people do choose to have sex before marriage. But for men, let me just ask both of you this actually, like in your first time of having sex with somebody new, do you still crave that connection and unity? Do you want that from them? Like, I think that's what's underneath all of it, at least as a girl. Like right now, I, you know, I'm so alone and so lonely. I actually had a dream last night about getting pregnant, which is so weird. And I never, ever in my life have dreamt anything about that. And it was more of like a process, like in a scientific way. But it was still the idea of just like having a connection with a person. And I almost woke up this morning like crying because that's what I'm wanting or looking, you know, always looking for. And so when I kind of think back to experiences, it's always, been with the hope that there's a connection with the person. And of course, like it involves fun, but the underlying, I think, foundation of it that drives me is the connection. Okay, so let me ask you a follow-up question to that. If somebody that you were sleeping with didn't see you seriously, or you guys both didn't know if you were serious, would it mislead you if there was this unity in the bed? Like, can it be... Okay. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Because I think I'm not trying to angle women as like we're all clingy and needy, but like one guy I talked about recently who I was super obsessed with, like the definition of a fuck boy, he I knew wasn't into me that way, but I continued to go back and back and back and back looking for that connection. And then that's when it gets so hollow and awful because you know it's not there. And it's like showing up to a diamond mine and all your finding is trash and you know every time you're going to go there and find trash, but you keep looking. It's not a diamond mine. It's a garbage pile actually. And you're looking for the diamond and you just know it's not there, but you do keep going back and back and back, hoping that it is. Well, let me ask both of you. For guys who are listening right now, I don't want them to use this as a manipulation tool, but like everything that you just said about... And Rabbi, you said it as well about people craving this connection. If you were a man that was a lover that could connect in your first time of having sex with somebody or sleeping with somebody, 
does that make you more appealing and attractive? Because it is so rare. Like if you are able to to do that, which again, I don't think a lot of people are able to connect during sex. And then I want to talk to the rabbi and Kristen about how to connect and have some oneness. Does that actually help in your attraction level towards the person? We're going to talk about how the Kabbalah has some interesting tricks to increase the spark. You know, we want that electricity going. We definitely don't want to lose that, but there's ways of doing it that don't involve experimentation. The Kabbalah is kind of anti-experimentation. It's saying that when you have a true intimacy, you're happy where you are. You don't need to try different weird things to get well, the Kabbalah to get the sounds a little bit prude if you ask me. No, I'm just joking. We'll take a break and we'll come back with Rabbi Shmuel and Kristen. We'll be back shortly. All right, we are back. And now we're going to hear about all the tricks that the <laughs> Kabbalah has for us on how to increase that spark in our sex lives and in our relationships, which I'm dying to hear this. It's pretty interesting. I just want to say that in the sex of oneness, they find it normal to have sex with elegance and romance and tenderness while the woman is treated modestly and caringly and lovingly while the snake sex is trying everything. And the Kabbalah tries nothing and leaves everything to the imagination. And as you know, imagination is the biggest erogenous zone. So that's one trick just right there. If you don't do it, and you can imagine about it, then you have that experience mentally and it doesn't burn out. If you try everything, every time you do it, it burns out and you have to try something else. But if you, if you leave it to your mental capabilities, then as B.B. King says, the thrill is gone. Once you've tried it, it's never going to have the same excitement again. So be careful what you try. Okay, just some quick stats. 25% of married couples have an affair at some point. That's, that's really high. Pornhub's daily visits now exceed 100 million people per day. Holy. Yeah, per day. day? He's like, how can I tap into that traffic? (laughs) (laughs) I know. I was like, I'm one of that. No, I'm just joking. That's crazy. Because what you do is a big improvement on what they're doing. The most popular videos are of women being choked and liking it. And 50 to 20% of men will have sex with a prostitute. And the question is, why isn't normal sex, like prudish, what you call prudish sex is just normal sex. Why isn't it enough? Why do we have to cheat? Why do we have to go to prostitutes? Why do we need whips and chains? And it's because of this snake mind game that we've bought into. And one of the aspects of the mind game is that we have sex strictly for the pleasure we can get out of it. Now, this is really counterintuitive. Like sex with aggression, it seems tempting, right? It gives you a dopamine rush. And that's what's feeding what the Kabbalah calls the animal soul. So this is all confusing until you realize that we have two souls, the animal soul and the godly soul. The animal soul wants to go for short-term pleasure, and then it burns out and it leads you into like addiction and stuff like that. And the godly soul strives to be pure and holy, and it has a spark that never burns out. And it never leads to adultery or sadistic rituals. Quite the opposite. The couple winds up more united than they were when they started. So we got kicked out of paradise because of Cosmo's type of advice for the short-term thrills and for listening to the snake and for separateness. And what happened when we did that, when our forefathers did that, all the world's suffering followed. So how do we get back to paradise? And paradise is pleasurable. But as we're going to say, it's pleasurable. It's not the goal of the sex. 
the way to get where we want to go is not by having as much pleasure as possible. And there's so many courses just like increase the pleasure more and more and more. Even though the Kabbalah sex happens to be the most pleasurable kind of sex, but the sweetness of paradise isn't in the pleasure. It's the unity with God, the universe, and each other, which is pleasurable, but the pleasure is just a side effect of the unity. It's a peaceful pleasure. It's all about the connection with your spouse philosophically, psychologically, emotionally and even physically. And the question is, how much closer can we become until we're so close that you can't tell where you end and I begin? One thing I did want to ask is, how can you do this? How can you allow yourself to not feel pressure to please? How can you help your brain sort of calm down so you can have this oneness that you're talking about? Especially for people who maybe are not in a marriage where there is that confidence and comfort with that person, how do they accomplish that? Well, it takes two to make this work. And you have to talk and you have to get on the same page. It's totally possible if you just use the right words and coming from the right place of emotion. Everybody wants to please their partner. They just need to be told that this is what I really want. I don't think men really know that women want connection as their number one priority. They think they want a better orgasm. But that's not what the women report. That's not what they say when they're asked, you know, seriously, what do you want? So to communicate that would be the key. And I'll talk a little bit more about some stuff that will help with that. So I was watching a TED talk and the woman gave a great talk about the clitoris, a good talk. And she had an art piece, which basically said every pleasure a human can have, they should have, which is basically saying, you know, we should have the pleasure of the clitoris and nobody can tell us different. But this phrase, every pleasure a human can have, they should have, Judaism and Kabbalah would take issue with that because what about adultery? What about swinging? Should we have that kind of pleasure? It's like being all about the pleasure is like eating only cookies for dinner. You've lost control. Your desires have overtaken you and you're now like possessed. And I know this is like foreign to people because we're trained that when we hear sex, we hear pleasure. But why, when it comes to food, everyone says you got to have restraint. And then when it comes to sex, there's no thought of any restraint. Lack of restraint in food has diabetes and heart disease as a consequence. But there's no diabetes from bad sex. But then again, there are worse things like you wind up getting whipped and you wind up getting divorced. The main point of the meal is to get nutrition and the main point of sex is to grow the unity, grow the connection. Man is right there between the animal kingdom and God and humans can go up to being God or a higher power or whatever you believe in or down to being an animal. And as it happens, Kabbalistic sex is even more pleasurable than animalistic sex. Here's where we're going to get into it. If pleasure is what you're after, what makes the Kabbalah sex different and superior? First, it protects the spark with all its might. So that's the electricity. Electricity needs a spark. And you got to protect that spark. You can't let anything snuff it out, even if that means extreme modesty. So that brings in the modesty factor. And that's going to keep the spark going because what you don't see of the woman is what makes her more sexy. And like, there's a lot of porn about like, I'm told <laughs> a lot of porn about like Catholic school girls being attractive to men. And it's because they're modest. It's like, it's the modesty that is sexy. Okay. Second, the Kabbalah knows when to pull back. And here's the trick. 
for Jews, it's two weeks on and two weeks off. So a week after menstruation, the man and the woman can't be together. And then there's a whole week of checking for blood because blood is a turn off. It snuffs out the spark. And during those two weeks, there's no touching, not even shaking hands, not even talking about sex, not even serving hot food to your husband. Because Jewish mysticism is so careful about intimacy, it doesn't want anything to disrupt it. So you have to be perfect about not being sexual for two whole weeks. And that seems crazy. Half my marriage, I'm not able to be close to my husband. But after the two weeks are up, the woman cleans herself totally, including below her fingernails, and gets any knots out of her hair. And the attendant checks her for any stains or anything that may have stuck to her. So she can be completely unified with the water. This is where the neuroses in Jewish go together. Seriously. <laughs> what do you mean by that? Very <laughs> neurotic. Like the like nothing under fingernails. Nothing under the fingernails, like no knots in your hair. Yeah. It's gotta be perfect because right, you gotta be totally... Yeah, but that's yeah. A, a pressure on its own. But what I hear that you're saying is that there is a specialness to it where you're not having sex all the time, you're not indulging in it constantly. Because you can, you're taking time to appreciate it, crave it, want it. And then when you do have it in front of you, you're excited by it. You're turned on by it. There's there's tension that's been built up. So, I mean, these are rules in place to help keep, to the, keep spark the spark alive. alive. Yeah, 100%. That's exactly what you're giving direction on, which I think is great. And take from it what you want, the people who are listening right now. But I think like the central message from this is connection is the number one thing that women are looking for when having sex which means communication, looking at the woman, talking to her, you talking as well about your wants, your needs, your likes, and listening to hers. And then also not just continuously pouncing on this woman. Go slow, take your time, take a few days off to build up that tension again. And that is how a spark can continue to be in place. And you can apply each of these things to the inner workings of any relationship in the beginning of dating or deep into a long-term relationship. Take your time, communicate have some oneness, be vulnerable. So I think these are excellent pieces of advice that you're sharing, even if people are not more on the religious side. Thanks. It's uh, straight from the Kabbalah. And that, just to finish yeah. the thought, she you know removes everything that could be uh, a blockage to the water. And she goes in this beautiful ritual bath. And the husband is just waiting at home in anticipation for when that door will open. And when it does, she's so pure and sexy. It's like there's dynamite between them. So the spark is all the way out there. And I can attest to that because I was married in the Hasidic way. And it's better than experimental sex. And it's actually a scientifically proven way to keep the spark alive. As psychologist Douglas Weil says, quote, putting any system under deprivation for a while is a good way to recover sensitivity. So, you know, Jews are obligated to do this for two weeks Non-Jews can do it for a week or they can do it for two weeks. They're just not obligated. It's something that they could try. So what's the man's responsibility here? Because I know if if we have... Oh, I was going to ask that too. I'm like, are women as excited? Right. I've got a clean woman. Because I saw that show that's on, I think, Netflix. Orthodox? Orthodox, yeah. Is it Orthodox or Unorthodox? Unorthodox. That's a terrible show. Well, I'm sure that you would think so. I know nothing about your culture and all that stuff. So that was my first glimmer into all of that was her having to go into that pool and be bathed. And obviously they angled it in a way where she was not very happy about it. So if we had any like women listeners who were feminists or not even feminists, just more living in 2020, I think they'd say, 
okay, so but what's the dude's responsibility? Because she's all clean. Did you have to clean yourself too? And I think the reason I want to shine light on that is because in this day and age, especially not in a religious culture, if a guy is just putting all the expectation on the girl to be perfect and he can just be slovenly and have really hairy balls, it's going to be a little out of whack and that's not going to be a turn on for a woman. So what's the deal for the dudes? How can they keep up that under the bargain as well? He's expected to be clean as well. He's expected to take care of himself. And the obligation in general for pleasuring the woman is on the man. So that's all up to him. And it's very much a burden on the man, even more than there is the woman. But she does have this whole going into the ritual bath situation. I don't know if that answered your question. Yeah, 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 totally. It's like uh, in 2020 or any year past, whatever, 1950, having some pressure on the guy to not be just the presentable one. It's like sexy for a woman too. And I know we're all talk- we're talking about this from a religious standpoint, but because of the podcast being a non-religious podcast to apply to the people listening, I just don't want guys to go out of whack with that idea of like, she comes to me beautiful and pure and I just sit here and smell. So, <laughs> you know, so obviously they yeah. know that, but I just want to like make that very clear. And like you had said, the burden lies on the guy for creating the pleasure, which is awesome. So just, yeah, just wanted to... Well, the burden should lie on both sides to pleasure totally. both people. Absolutely. But like the one thing, the one thing, I, there's many things that I love about Judaism, but when I went on my birthright trip a very long time ago to Israel and like literally was about to become Orthodox because I just like fell in love with the Orthodox people and the Jewish religion. The one thing that I did love about it was the people's excitement for traditions. And if you're not excited about traditions, then you probably get out of the religion in some way or you're miserable like in an Orthodox. But, I, but most of the people like, loved all of the things that they culturally had to do. They loved going to the mikvah, which is the bath that the rabbi is talking about. They, they like loved those components of the culture, the traditions that were there. And that's what I really loved as well. So not only do they love the practice of doing things, it actually can enhance a relationship between a husband and wife, a boyfriend and girlfriend, people who are in a relationship. So... That's where the unorthodox show really did a disservice to the Jewish people because women love going to the mikvah. It's like a spa. It's, it's, it's extremely, extremely beautiful. And they get pampered. And how could you not love that? They love it. They get all pure and holy and it's beautiful. Yeah, I'd be down. I'd be down if... Uh... It's really nice there. But again, if you're not into that where you don't like that whole lifestyle, I mean, there's a lot of obligations that you have to have within that lifestyle. And many, there's a lot of abuse in the Orthodox community, but that's like a separate thing. But at the core of it, how it's supposed to be is beautiful and lovely and wonderful and people like to participate in it. So yeah, take a shower. <laughs> yeah, take a shower for both sides. Yes, absolutely. No, that's for sure. This will make a good bullet for your list. You may have heard of tantric sex, which is Hindu mysticism sex. Yeah. Hinduism shares a common source with Judaism. So their sex has a lot of similarities to ours. It's slow and gentle. They synchronize breathing and keep eye contact. So this is a much better way than the sex of separateness. If you're going to do anything, you know, look into tantric sex if you had to do we have a, an expert coming on, well, it's in September, so it's far off, but we have an expert coming on to talk to us all about the tantra positions and moves and <laughs> lifestyle. So okay. it's very cool. It's an improvement. Their problem is they're obsessed with pleasure. And you know that's the general problem with today's sex philosophy. They're obsessed with squeezing out every bit of pleasure from every chakra 
that you can possibly find. Whereas Kabbalistic sex would say, focus more on the other person and less on the squeezing out of pleasure. The pleasure will come as a side effect of the unity and holding back from each other for a while. And this is the best way to become closer. So at this time, we really need to find pleasure in more unified sex because that's the healthiest kind for our relationship. So we can spend some time connecting on a purely verbal and philosophical and psychological and emotional and moral grounds and to align our belief in God or whatever you believe is your higher power. This is why we always try to marry within the same religion. That's, I mean, I believe that's very important. The Torah believes that's very important. We don't want the differences in religion to interfere with the total unity. You want to unify on every level, mental, emotional, physical. Non-Jews might want to take a week off like the Jews do, or two weeks. It's just that you're not obligated in it. But Kabbalistic sex gets better every time as we know our partner a little more each time. You can always get closer to the other person. So the goal in Kabbalistic sex, you're not looking for new and exciting when it comes to sex. Those words don't belong in that philosophy. We shouldn't have like a pleasure scale. We should be looking deeper than that. We should be looking for more unity to get to know each other even more, to introduce spirituality, to introduce the soul. You need to become one with their spirit. And then there's like a magnet between you that lasts your whole marriage. Now, how do you get in touch with her spirit? First of all, you have to be there. You can't be thinking about anything else other than her. You have to feel yourself in your body totally. That's part of being there. And eyes are the window to the soul. So make eye contact. And that connects you emotionally while you're having sex. And think of a gratitude list of all the things you love about your wife. And you really need to open your heart for this and think about how incomplete you are without her and how you're two halves of one whole who got lost and you're coming back together. And therefore, you're desperate to get closer. Think of what your souls had to go through to find each other. Think of how much you want to protect this woman from any harm or aggression, how you want to treat her like a princess and focus and connect with her in a way that's so strong, it can only be called godly. Any comments? Yeah. And this this can apply to people who are, if they're not waiting for marriage, they can do that as well for sleeping with somebody for the first time where they're just, they're not focused on pleasuring. They're not focused on, am I doing this right? Is she having fun? But it is just focusing on the togetherness. It's like you're connected, right? So it is a way of guiding yourself to take your mind off of the bigger picture and put your focus onto what's in front of you, which is a beautiful naked woman who it's proven wants to connect with you in some way, not necessarily falling in love and getting into a long-term relationship, but wants to feel connected to you in that moment while you guys are sharing an experience with each other. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. I'm going to cut you off yeah. because we have to wrap up the show. But I think I think this was amazing information. Like I know because before you got onto the show, we emailed back and forth a little bit because I was like, oh, mate, what, what are you going to talk about? Because <laughs> I wasn't sure... And you kept reiterating, this isn't to preach. This is just to share. And I think that you did a wonderful job of sharing what happens in Kabbalah and Kabbalistic sex. And I think that there's amazing messages for everybody to learn from, whether they're super religious or not religious or whatever. The important message, and I'm going to say it again, is about connection. Connection being the number one thing that people are looking for in the bedroom and everything else can spark from that. So I think you did a fantastic job. Thank you. And I was a bit nervous having a rabbi talking about sex, but you pulled it off very well. So thank you, Rabbi Shmuel. 
Do you want to tell people how they can get in contact with you if they do want to find out more about you? Right now, I just came out with a new product, which I'm promoting. So I'll just mention that. It's called theoccultsecret.com. Theoccultsecret.com. Okay. And what is that? It's basically a whole life makeover. You know, According to the Kabbalah, redo everything and bring you the kind of success that the law of attraction promises, but doesn't actually give you. Oh, wonderful. Yeah. I love that. It's pretty, it's pretty cool. Maybe you'll send me that link and I'll, I'll put it in the show notes underneath the, where the show are, just in case I spell it incorrectly, but please send that over to me. And then Kristen, tell people how they can get in touch with you if they want to learn how to banter correctly. Well, first of all, I just want to say this entire time, I've really had this hold back from making a joke about talking about sex with a rabbi being better than talking about sex with a priest, at least. Because (laughs) we're so fucked up in the Catholic. So I just wanted to make that differentiation between the two, even though I'm Catholic and I'm cool with it. Just thank God you're not a priest. Represent. Yeah, because it would be like... It would be very different. It would be very different. (laughs) So hit me up at kristenandchill.com for banter lessons or profile makeovers. And the last few profile makeovers that I've done, the guys have written back saying, this sounds just like me. How did you do this? It's perfect. So I'm bragging and just letting you guys know that I'm really fucking good at it. So... She is really good. Yeah. She spends too much time on that. I do. Her heart is too big. But yes, she's very good at what she does. And I get the same response from people who I direct towards Kristen where they said, oh my God, she's just transformed my profile. So yes, you are wonderful at what you do. And so is everybody else who listens to this show. They are wonderful for continuing to support our show, continuing to listen to us talk and talk and talk and talk and talk and talk. But... I want to thank you guys for continuing to listen and support us. New episodes of the Ask Women podcast come out every Thursday at 5 p.m. Pacific. Please, please, please go and subscribe to our show. Don't be silly. Don't download individual episodes and waste your time. That is just ridiculous. So please go and subscribe to the Ask Women podcast. We will see you guys next week. Bye.